have here from chapters uh, 30 and 31. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my home and my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, What shall I give you? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not permit him to harm me. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see. All the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Paddan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and rose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and lyre? And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. 
and now you have gone away because you long greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was. By day the heat consumed me, and the cold by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages ten times. The God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side. Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these daughters or for their children whom they have borne? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not pass over this heap to you, and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. The word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we continue in this study of Jacob, and uh, frankly, so often we're just amazed at his mixed up and messy life that he was your servant. And yet, through it all, he was able to say that the God of my father has been with me. And Lord, may that be true for us as well as we deal with what you've given us in our lives. May we always look to you, God, our Father. And we pray today that as Steve unwraps this passage for us and gives us what the Holy Spirit has um, motivated him to share, that we would see you at work here as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. My family is very competitive, very competitive. I don't know where they get that, but we turn everything into a, into a contest. We turn everything into a game, and we have, uh, we oftentimes do Summer Olympics, Summer Olympics outside, and uh, it involves contests of basketball and football and golf and swimming and uh, a bunch of different kinds of skills and then sometimes we have the winter olympics and we have those inside the house and uh last year we uh, were shooting golf balls down the uh, down the staircase to try to hit a bucket and we do that kind of stuff and we for the last three years we've uh, had we've had escape houses and again all of this is very competitive and 
we all do March Madness brackets. Everybody's required to do that. And we're all about points and scorecards and trophies and awards and, and all of that. And we all hate the idea of a participant's trophy. And why, why even play if you're not going to keep score and if somebody can't win? But I would like to think that competition can be fun and healthy. And yet I know that it can be very unhealthy and it can even be destructive. Competition is often tied to success and success is tied to pride Look at me, I'm the winner, I'm better than you, right? <laughs> Jacob was competitive. His competitiveness started in the womb. His striving for success started from the time that he grabbed Esau's heel and continued into his whole life. The name Jacob it's, it itself can mean positively either protector or negatively. It can mean grabber or, or cheating competitive heel grabber. And the Jacob stories are filled with that grabbing. These stories, the spotlight shines on competitiveness and conflict and cheating and, and pride and deceit and trickery. And what are we supposed to do with all of that? I mean, why have we been given stories like this? Well, let's find out. Today's story is really long. 70 verses. I hope some of you read the whole thing. Got that whole context. Good. Uh, we've cut it down to 40 verses. And I'm going to have to fill in some of those interesting pieces. But I would, as we, as we go through the series uh, this summer, I would encourage you to bring your Bibles because what we're doing is we're taking off big chunks of these stories, and it's really longer than what we can print, and so it's good to be able to refer to other places, so it'd be good to bring your Bibles, uh, always, actually. But before we get to the story, we're going to review the cast of players to make sure that you remember who's who. So we're going to play a little Bible trivia. Shall we keep score? <laughs> So the covenant promises were made to Abraham and Sarah, and they finally had a son who was named what? Isaac, okay. And Isaac got married to who? Rebecca, very good. And then Isaac and Rebecca had twins, and the twins were named what? Jacob and Esau, affectionately known as Harry and the heel grabber. Remember? Okay, and then Jacob ran away from Esau, and he met up with Rebekah's brother, who was named Laban. Very good. And then Jacob married two of Laban's daughters, and their names were Rachel and Leah. Very good. And then one more question. This is the bonus round. Who 
are Jacob's children. You don't have to do that. All right, so the lineup, the lineup of players on your scorecard here in our story uh, is Jacob, his wife, Rachel, and Leah, and then Jacob's uncle, also Jacob's father-in-law, and also Jacob's employer, Laban. So the story begins today, chapter 30, verse 25, and in order to make sense of this story and, and so many stories in the Old Testament, we have to go back to God's promises that he made to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. In Genesis 12, God made a promise, he made a covenant with Abraham, and he said, I will make you a great nation, I will make your name great, I will give you a land, I will bless you. Those who curse you, I will curse. Those who bless you, I will bless. And through you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Those are the promises that were made. Now, if an Old Testament story is confusing to you, and oftentimes they are, then one thing that you might do is to ask the question, how is God advancing one of these promises? So a lot of times, those stories that you don't understand, ask yourself that. What's God doing with his covenant promises? And we see that very clearly today in this story. So turn to your notes, and here's our main idea this morning. The success of the world is in our hands, but God is the power behind us. The success of the world is in our hands, but God is the power behind us. Now, some of you may be asking, how did I get that out of Genesis 30 and 31? And that's a good question. So, look at your outline. There's four points. And notice that all four points are connected with the, this idea of success. So, point number one in your notes, fill in the blank here. The success story. The success story, we all want it. Genesis 30 and 31 is Jacob's success story. We all love to hear a good success story, don't we? We all love to hear a, a, a rags to riches story. We all love the uh, once upon a time there was a young woman named Cinderella and all of that, you know, that we love that. And yet, this story, this success story, it doesn't really leave us feeling warm and fuzzy, does it? Well, here's a quick version of the story, real quick. So Jacob, he enters the land of, of, of Padan Aram, and he's running away from Esau. And so he enters into this land as a fugitive, and he has no wife, no children, no wealth, and after 14 years, he has two wives, and he begins having children. And just as God has promised, he is blessed with many children. And so then after all of these years and after all of these children, Jacob wants to go back home. He wants to go back to the land of Israel. He wants to go back to his home, to, his, to the land of promise that God has given to his people. And so Jacob tells Laban in chapter 30, verse 25, our first verse, send me away to my own home and country and give me my wives and children. 
Laban, let me go home. Let me go back home. Been here a long time. I've worked hard. So Laban hears that, and he has a counter offer. Laban says to Jacob, well, you have made me very rich, and I know that, and so I want you to stay here so the riches continue. So name your price. Name your wage. So Jacob offers a counter-counter offer to Laban and says, well, how about if we do this? How about if, out of all the flocks that are out there, you give me only the speckled and the spotted and the black sheep and goats? And so Jacob and Laban agreed to that. Then the story goes on to tell us that Jacob was very good at breeding sheep. And the end of chapter 30, it ends saying this, Jacob increased greatly and had large flocks and lots of servants and lots of camels and lots of donkeys. And then the story goes on in chapter 31, Jacob then goes ahead and he leaves anyway, but he slips out without saying goodbye to his father-in-law and Laban gets mad and he chases after him and... Uh, they exchange unpleasantries, and finally they come to a truce, and then Jacob goes off on his, on his own, and that's the story. So the story begins, Jacob comes with nothing, and he leaves very rich. He leaves with lots of children, just like God promised, and he leaves with lots of blessing just like God promised. It's a success story. And we all want it. Something, or something like it. In, in some form, we all want this increase, this, this success. Success for some is like this. Riches and wealth and possessions. He who has the most toys in the end wins, Right? Success for others is prestige, reputation, a name, status, influence, power, maybe some significant achievement or some, some accomplishment, whatever that might be. For others, maybe it's more simple. It's success is arriving at, at peace and at comfort, maybe a nice family, a nice wife, good friends, nice community, building a legacy, all of that. But the Bible, and specifically the Abrahamic covenant, takes all of those ideas of success, all of those things that we think about, all those things that we desire, and puts them all together and calls it blessing. Blessing. We all want success. We all want to be blessed. I mean, there's nobody here who does not want to be blessed. There's nobody here who wants to be a failure, who wants to be a loser. We all want to be successful. We all want to be blessed. And, and so often, success is something that we have not yet achieved, right? I mean, it's something that's always out there. There's always something more. So you have this goal of success, and then you reach it, and then you have another goal of success to reach that, and it's kind of something that's always out there. It's always, you know, someday, one day, won't it be nice, wouldn't it be great if, as a kid, I spent hours in my driveway 
playing basketball, shooting hoops over and over again. And, and so many times, I don't know how many times, I had simulated the game-winning shot, you know? And Holiday has the ball, and, the, and three, two, one, the shot is up, and Holiday has the ball. And he takes the shot. Three, two, one. Yes. Huh? And it's out there one day, one day. One day I'll take that shot. We have that. It's always out there. So since it's out there, we're always striving for it. And, and that's, that's what we have in this story. That's clearly the picture in these Jacob stories. So the first point number one is the story. Point number two, the schemes for success. The schemes for success, we all do it. Now in this story, Laban wants to be successful, and Jacob wants to be successful, and, get this, according to the Abrahamic covenant, God wants Laban to be successful through Jacob's success. Do you get that? Right? All families will be blessed through you, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And that is exactly what's happening in this story. That is exactly what God is doing here in spite of Jacob and Laban's behavior. Somehow there's a difference between how God views success and how we view success. Why, why is that? It's because of sin, of course. God wants to bless us. God wants to make us successful. But the sin that is in us messes it all up. So that we have to do this on our own. We have to do this scheming for success. Our sinful pride perverts God's blessing. It's like we take this, this blessing, this promise for a blessing, and we, we, we take it for ourselves. We own it ourselves. We change his promise of blessing into our striving for our success. You know what I'm talking about? And so we posture and we manipulate and we scheme and we backstab. And I've lived in the corporate world. Many of you are in the corporate world. And, and you know that environment. And that environment's not just in the corporate world. It's, it's other places as well. We scheme. And we all do it. Maybe not as blatantly here as, as Jacob and Laban. But we all are doing playing those little games. And there's lots of scheming going on in this story. Laban agrees to this deal, he agrees to give Jacob the spotted and the speckled and the black sheep and goats, but Laban has a scheme, and what Laban does after he agrees to this is he takes all the spotted and the speckled and the black sheep and goats, and he moves, he removes them, and he moves them three days away. So basically what Laban is doing is he's stealing them and hiding them. Ah. But Laban doesn't know who he's messing with. He's messing with Jacob. 
the heel-grabbing, competitive deceiver. And so Jacob has his own scheming. And he does this crazy thing. And we cut this out of the story. But if you know this, uh, if you know this part of the story, this, this is really crazy what he does. The sheep, they would come to the watering trough and they would, and they would breed there. And so what, what Jacob did is he took poplar and almond branches and he cut them into sticks. And he took those sticks and he kind of striped them and kind of peeled them back, the bark back, so that you could see the white. And then he placed them in front of the sheep while they were breeding. Okay? And you all understand that, don't you? Nobody, nobody understands that. Nobody understands that. And the Bible doesn't help us at all in telling, what's, telling us what's going on here. But it worked, okay? Or at least God was at work. Maybe that's more to the point. It seems that Jacob's scheming has made him rich. And we all get sucked into this. Somehow or other. We all get sucked into believing, to relying on, to depending upon our own efforts and our own strategies. It, 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 it's, it's our own ingenuity that did it. It's our own planning. It's our own wisdom. It's our own way. It's our own, it's our own striving. We just get sucked into that. Even as Christians, really? Yes, even as Christians, we get pulled into this. Why? Why as Christians? Because we forget the doxology that we sing every Sunday. Praise God from what? Whom all blessings flow. We forget that. We forget that all blessings flow from God. Point number three then. The source of success. The source of success. We all know it. Why is the Lord giving us this story of lying and scheming and cheating. Why? It's to set a mirror in front of us. But more than that, it's to set our faithful God in front of us. To set before us. To clearly remind us, once again, the true source of success. Did Jacob get that? Did he know that? Yes. Jacob knew the true source. Look, look at the text. 31, verse 5. God has been with me. 31, verse 7. God did not permit Laban to harm me. Verse 31, 11. God came to me in a dream and said, Jacob, here I am. Lift up your eyes and see that all those spotted and speckled sheep that you have, they're all from me, he told Jacob. 31.13, God says, I am the God of Bethel. Remember what happened at Bethel? I'm that God with you. Chapter 32, verse 42. If God had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God saw my affliction. Jacob really did know that his success was from the Lord. He knew that. And even Laban knew it. 
I think deep down in our hearts, whether you're Christian or not a Christian, somehow you know that if you, have, if you, if you prosper, if you have success, somewhere deep in your heart, maybe buried deep, deep in your heart, but you know that it's not really you, because you know yourself and you know your weakness, that, that it's something that's beyond you. And even unbelieving Laban knew that. Unbelieving Laban says to Jacob, I had very little before you came, but the Lord has blessed me because of you. Laban said that. So Laban and Jacob are both acknowledging the Lord in this, and yet they do what they do. You see, it's possible to have God words on our lips. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And yet, in our hearts, to be self-reliant, depending upon our own strategies, depending upon our own schemes, our own tactics. And the point of this story, and the good news of the gospel is that God breaks through all of that. He is so committed to his people. He is so committed to his promises, to his people, that his plans to bless them and to bring success to them, they break through all of the tricks and all of the lies and all the schemes. God in his grace breaks through all of the striving and all of the fighting and all the competition and breaks through all of the self-reliance and all of the, all the selfish pride, self-centeredness. Breaks through all of that. Jacob's story is a success story, but only because of God. And we see that as we read that story, don't we? we and we need to see that Jacob is missing something here. He remains confused about his covenant role. He remains confused about what his name means. Is he protector or is he heel grabber? We need to see that difference too. That's why we have the story. Now, look how the story ends. Laban has been chasing Jacob, who skipped out of town without saying goodbye. And Laban finally catches up with him. And they fight, and they trade insults. And then they call a truce. Okay, now, here's, here's verse 44. That's how it ends. Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone. Remember, Andrew mentioned last week the significance of stones, and here's another one. He took a stone, and he set it up as a pillar. And then verse 52, this heap is a witness. The pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you, and you will not pass over this heap to me to do harm. So, so Jacob and Laban set up boundaries. Don't cross this line. Right? Now, those of you kids who share bedrooms with your brother or sister, have you ever done that? So you draw the line in the room. Don't you cross that line. I even put tape down one time in my room. Don't you cross that line. 
Is that success? That's not success. Jacob doesn't get it yet. You see, success doesn't build up boundaries and barriers. Rather, it breaks them down. Success involves invitation in, come. So often, we desire success for our benefit, right? Isn't that kind of what's behind it so often? Our benefit, our comfort, our reputation, our protection. The success is all about us. I'm in the center of it. That's my success plan. Really is about me. Well, it's about my family. My, well, it's really about me. And our pursuits then are often motivated out of pride and jealousy and fear, competition, self-protection. And so then we have tactics with this bag of tricks and deceit and cheating and escaping and pretending and not giving it to you straight and criticism and all of that. And behind all of that really is pride. C.S. Lewis says, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. The pleasure of being above the rest. Look at what I've got. I'm better than you. But God's idea of success and blessing is far different. Success that comes from God is characterized by loving and giving and forgiving and helping and coming alongside and serving and protecting. And that kind of success leads not to to barriers, that leads to the breaking down of barriers, the breaking down of boundaries, and inviting everyone to come into the blessing, inviting everyone to come in, come in to the protection of the promised land, rather than drawing a line and stay out. You don't seem to belong. So point number four, the sharing of success. The sharing of success. We are all part of it. For those who believe, we are all part of sharing the success. So see, Jacob took the riches, and he took his blessings, and he exited into God's promised land, and he drew a line and said, don't cross that line. I'm blessed, and you're not. Now, does that sound like God's covenant? With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember the language? All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Welcome. Come in. Share the blessing. But Jacob didn't get that. And we don't get it either. And we would never get it. We would never change. Unless the right man was on our side. And the story points us to him. The story points us to the man of God's own choosing, Jesus. He came as the blessing and the success of God. Jesus came. He was blessing in a person, 
in the flesh. And he did not scheme, but he served. And he did not come with tricks, but he came with truth. And he did not grab, but he gave up even his own life. And he did not draw lines, but he said, Come unto me, all you who are weary. Jesus died for our selfish striving. He took our curse so that we could enjoy his blessing. His success has become ours. So now back to the main idea. The success of the world is in our hands. But God is the power behind us. We don't have to scheme. We don't have to grab. We've been blessed. And that blessing does not make us, get this, that blessing does not make us cocky. It does not make us self-righteous. It does not make us hoarders. It does not polarize us into our own little world. It makes us sharers, doesn't it? All the families of the earth will be blessed through us. We have these flowers in our yard. And they're all around and they're all different kinds and pots and then in the ground and out they're different colors and sizes. And I don't know anything about flowers, but I know all of our flowers. And it's been really hot, right? And all those flowers that I have got to know are drying up and like withering, right? Senior flowers and their petals and they're just they're so they're so sad. And I'm the guy with the water. But, you know, I may not have enough water. Because, I mean, I might need it myself. And I do need it. And, but, but I have a hose. And the hose is connected to a faucet. And the faucet's connected to a water pipe, and a water pipe is connected to, like, some big water reservoir. And so, I have plenty of water. And it's not going to run out. So, I can turn the hose on, and I can go around to all of the different flowers, to the pots, and to the ones in the ground, and to the, the tall orange ones. Right? And I can spray... All of the flowers. Blessing and success are in our hands. And there's so much thirst and dryness and withering around us. And there's so much scheming and lying and game playing and competing and all of that. And yet we've been given a hose of blessing that's connected and it won't run out so spray it spray it 
to this place on this day with this person and, and here with this person and, and the tall orange ones and this person and, and to all of those, spray it, spray it, spray it everywhere. Spray it every day. Spray it at, at school and in the office place and in your neighborhood. Spray it because it won't run out. Give yourself away. You won't run out. And if you do, let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. Because his kingdom, his blessings, his resources are forever. Let's stand together and sing hymn number 92. I think you already know now that this song fits pretty well with what we've been talking about this morning.